again, everybody. William Lutz here for the uh, Beyond the Column podcast. And fair warning, we may go a little longer than usual today. Um, I was recently made aware of an opinion piece in the New York Times by one uh, Kimberly Brooks. And Kimberly was recounting a situation that she recently had, um, a travel situation where she was in Virginia visiting her parents and she was on her way home to Chicago. And uh, the morning she was leaving, she ran out uh, to go get some coffee took her young son in tow. And when they got to the coffee shop, he didn't want to get out. And instead of trying to fight the young man, she was just like, okay, you can stay in here. Cloudy day, lock the car, uh, doors on the car. She goes in to get coffee. Uh, she's in complete eye shot of the vehicle at all times, gets her coffee, goes home to her parents' house, gets the luggage on their flight, off to Chicago. She lands in Chicago and she realizes that the police back in Virginia want to talk to her and that she has been charged with child endangerment for leaving a child unattended in a parked vehicle. And I read this with uh, a little bit of amusement and a little bit of amazement. And I was thinking, Oh my goodness. Um, Mrs. Brooks, I'm going to assume, is probably roughly my same age. Maybe she's late 30s, early 40s. But but we grew up in a time where uh, it was not uncommon to sit in a parked vehicle by yourself while your mother or father went into a store. I cannot tell you how many times I sat in my father's brown Chevrolet pickup truck wasting away the time as he went into uh, the auto parts store, the lumber yard, um, Kroger's, Kmart, what have you, the gas station, you name it, I was sitting there. And of course, this was pre-gadget days, so you didn't have anything to entertain you while you were sitting there, just your own thoughts looking out the window. And so really, times have changed. And if you listened to uh, what we put out Thursday, uh, we call it safety versus strength or the wussification of America. And I know that sounds pretty harsh. And I'm not trying to call young people uh, exceedingly soft because it's really not their fault. I mean, it, it's one thing to to blame these young adults that always had participation trophies, but we we never remember the part that a kid never gave another kid a participation trophy. There was an adult that decided that was a good idea and, a, and an adult that carried that through. And it's just too easy to pick on young people and find them as uh you know, perpetrators of making America soft when in many respects, I think they're just victims of folks that are older than them. They're, they're victims of their parents. But by that same token, can you blame the parents? Um, I did a little, a little research and a little thinking about this. And, 
you think about some of the pivotal things that have happened in American society over the last 22 years. Um, I remember December of 1996. It was Christmas time. Uh, John Benet Ramsey was killed in her own home. Uh, for those of you that don't remember, she was the six-year-old uh, toddler beauty queen. And this story just rocked the nation. I think it was on every television talk show. It was certainly on the news. It was the story that wouldn't go away uh, because it seemed completely implausible. How, how would a young six-year-old girl die in her own home? And, you know, there was the, the ransom note and did the parents do it and all of this other stuff. It was just an absolute crazy, crazy environment. And after that, parents got a little more protective. Fast forward three years in 1999, you had the Columbine uh, school massacre. Many children lost their lives in that. And so every time there was an incident in which children were put in harm's way, uh, society instinctively put a little more bubble wrap on them, uh, tried to protect them more, tried to keep them safe. And, and what we have done is we've created an environment where there's more safety than there is strength. And the big question is, well, what, what is that going to do uh, to American society? How do we see this manifest right now? Well, if we take a look back at, at those events of the late 1990s, these are children, um, the, the folks that are 19 to 22, these young adults have never lived in a world without those events that have taken place, <laughs> which means their parents have never parented children of that age um, with this kind of, uh, overprotective attitude. Now they may have had older siblings and some of this protective attitude never came about, but you know, if they were the oldest kid, when John Bonet came around, you know, all of those children were probably treated in a very, um, safe environment in which strength was not always taught but safety was. And please realize, I know I'm talking in generalities. I'm not trying to cast negative dispersions or judgment on anyone. I'm just trying to explain the world the way that I tend to see it. <clears throat> and so we have a generation of folks that have lived in, in safety to such a high degree. These folks are now in college or maybe they've graduated from college and they're entering the workforce. And so how is this stuff playing out? Well, one thing that didn't exist on college campuses five years ago, but exists now are these concepts of safe spaces. These are physical places where students can basically just, just hide from the world. Um, in part of the research for this, I came across something that was a fairly new uh, phenomenon in the University of Utah. 
what they have created in their library is called a cry closet. And and this is no joke. A, A cry closet is described as a space meant to provide a place for students studying for finals to take a short 10 minute break. And the, the impression is, is that life has gotten too hard for these students during finals week that they need a place to go to just kind of let it all out. And some of the rules of the closet, you need to knock on the closet before you enter. You can only have one person in the closet at a time. You need to limit your time in the closet for no more than 10 minutes. And then you need to turn the lights and the timer off before you leave. And finally, which is the one that really got me, is use hashtag cry closet. You uh, of you, if you're posting this on social media. That right there just blew my mind. Um, I am of an age in which if you have to admit you're using a cry closet, that is not a badge of valor. That is a badge of shame. I would be really interested to figuring of figuring out how many of these students at the University of Utah are actually uh, promoting the fact that they have used this uh, cry closet. I'd also be interested to see if they have any repeat users. Um, you know, are there multiple people using the cry closet and, and how has that affected their life? But y- you get the idea that something like this is absolutely ridiculous. And if you are my age or older and, and I'm 40, you're listening to this story and, you know, you probably just spit out your coffee because you're like, there's no way this stuff would have happened. I mean, we were grown up that, you know, if you were ended up crying, um, your father probably, quote, gave you a reason to, would finally give you a reason to cry, cry, unquote. And so this is just, uh, I I, I don't want to call it silly because I'm sure that that these young folks have some mental issues that they want to work through. We've all got something, but um, to to create a cry closet seems uh, to be, a bit much. And, and I'm sure there's some people out there who are, who are now thinking that I am uh, in, in, an insensitive, um, maybe even a bully for coming up with, with the words that I'm saying to describe what I'm seeing as a cry closet. Well, and the worst part is, is that this isn't just affecting America's colleges where we have safe spaces and cry closets and and trigger warnings. It's also infiltrating the American workplace. Uh, so for the article that I, I did a little bit of research, um, there was uh, a study done by Michigan State University that was put in Forbes magazine. And the, the data, I think, is about one or two years old. So it's a little dated. But they talked to hiring managers in, in mid-sized to large businesses 31% of employers received resumes from the parents of the potential hires, which means one out of three. So instead of doing little Johnny's and Janie's book report in school, we're now sending off the resume. It, it just seems like this is kind of a natural progression of that. 
9% of parents actually tried to negotiate their child's salary. 4%, one out of every 25, actually sat in on the employment interview. So that right there absolutely blew my mind. So if you're a hiring manager and you've got 25 folks coming at your door, one of those is going to bring mom or dad or both. Holy cow. And the thing is, is that do we really believe that this behavior is going to stop? And I'm talking about the behavior of the parents kind of helicoptering over their own children after these children have become grown adults. So the the kid has graduated from high school. The parents still have a great deal of involvement in college. I mean, it's well known that, that parents have called professors uh, talking about their students' grades, X, Y, and Z. Now it's happening in the job market. Do, do you think this will end now? I mean, I don't, I don't know where things will go 20 years from now, but we might have just a bunch of, uh, emasculated 40 and 50 year olds, 20 years from now, and you're going to have their parents in their sixties and seventies who should be uh, retired or the downhill part of their life, still kind of quarterbacking the lives for people that are generally, um, grown adults. It's as if the button of adolescence has been put on hold and, and we're not working to get young adults everything they need to be successful in the world. And even looking back on my own life, I mean, I remember when I was 10 years old, I had a paper out and I had this paper out for over five years. And, and this was back when kids had paper outs. Um, so for over five years, I would go up on the doorsteps of at least 35 strangers each and every day drop off a newspaper on the weekends. I would be walking around town with considerable amounts of cash and I'm 10 years old. If you think about that, if that happened in 2018, I am convinced that my own parents would probably be charged with child endangerment. How in the world could you let your child out in public with large amounts of cash? He's a target for whatever. Absolutely crazy what we're seeing in American society. And the thing that gets me is I often wonder what these young adults are thinking about. You know, on, on one hand, do they enjoy the security that their parents have given them and continue to give them? I mean, does 
Uh, does the young adult like the fact that mom and dad are sitting in on the job interview? I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe not. That might be a comforting thing for them. But at the same time, do these young adults feel like they've been uh, completely emasculated? Um, any semblance of of strength and virtue that they have, has it has it been ripped away from them? And now do they feel like they're uh, confronting a world in which they're inherently weak, which they're inherently unable to navigate um, the things that are happening in American society? I don't know. And, and I would really like to kind of explore that question more. Um, because I know for me, it would not be comfortable having um, my parents in with my job interview. I mean, they, no offense, but they don't know how to answer the questions that are going to be asked. Um, I don't know if I would appreciate them negotiating my salary. I certainly wouldn't want them to send resumes on my behalf, especially if I didn't even know about it. Um, you know, it, it's not like I'm trying to live a duplicitous life, but there's things about my life that my parents just don't know about. And, and there's things about, there's things about their, their life that I don't know about. Um, you know, my father passed away six years ago and I see my mother quite a bit, but it's, it's very, very interesting how all of this is working out. So what do we do? How do we move forward as a society? And more importantly, how do these young adults start to move forward in a world that is beginning to see them as weak um, and sees them with some degree of suspicion because of that? And that's mainly a root cause because the two worlds that generations have grown in kind of the, the younger folks, the, the 25 and under folks and everybody else have kind of grown up in two, two different worlds. So how do we reconcile that? Well, let's think about our own, our own physical bodies. When we don't exercise, when we don't, um, take care of ourselves physically, we begin to lose muscle mass, our bones get weaker. Uh, in other words, we, we atrophy. Well, and the same thing is true for our brains. The same thing is true um, for that internal fortitude that we have. Um, courageous people don't see their, their actions as courageous if they act in a courageous manner all the time, people of virtue do not see themselves as virtuous. If they're always virtuous, they just see it as an integral part of who they are to them. It's no big deal. It's no sweat off their back. Now, the first time it was hard, 
but the second time got easier. The third time got easier. And now it's, it's just a part of their nature. It's a part of who they are. They've taken actions to kind of wire their own brain and their own, um, personality, their, their own internal psychology to act out in a way that is virtuous, but it is almost automatic. It's not a challenge to them anymore. And so I guess my challenge to these young people is do the things that you need to do to demonstrate strength in the world. Take on challenges that seem bigger than yourself. And instead of relying on your parents, rely on yourself and rely on other people your own age or a little older. But the point is, is that there's more courage, there's more valor, there's more virtue in everyone than they in than they individually realize and and this is stuff that you already know if you're pushed up against the wall you need to push back because what happens if you don't if you take the the cry closet and you use it if you take refuge in the safe spaces if you appreciate the value of the trigger warning, you're never confronted with things that you never have to stand up against. And the problem is you can't go through life that way because there will be a time in which you will need to stand up against something that is bigger than yourself. And odds are that thing that you have to stand up against no one else can help you stand up against that because your problems, your issues are yours. They're nobody else's. So as much as we might think that our father or our mother will help us through this particular time, we'll always be disappointed not because they didn't try, but because in our mind, they didn't fully understand. And they can't. We can't always transfer our problems and our issues to other people and have them fight our own battles. We have to learn to fight our own battles on our own. And for those that are parents right now of young children, they need to start fighting these battles as young as they can. One thing that we do with our children is we make sure that we create times in which there are unstructured, unplanned, and yes, even unsupervised times where they play with other children. How else will they learn how to bargain for themselves? How else will they learn how to negotiate with others? How else will they learn to get along with other people? Unless they're in environments where they have to make choices on their own. And if they can learn to make choices 
as elementary school kids on how to deal with who kicks first playing kickball or who gets to catch the frog first, whatever the issue is, they're learning skills that they can take into adulthood on how to deal with bigger and tougher issues. I'm not saying it's going to be easier for them as they grow up. The first time that you have a job interview, it's going to be nerve wracking. The first time you stand up for someone or something that you know um, needs to be defended, that's hard. But if you've got the skills that you've learned as a youngster on how to do that, it's going to make your life a heck of a lot easier moving forward. I don't think those people that are in their 20s or or even late teens, it's not that they're in an environment where there's no hope for them. There's plenty of hope, but they have to exercise it. They have to exercise those, those feelings they have inside themselves that say that they can start to make changes in their own world. And they just have to go and do it. And I know that's very easy to say. And if you've been in an environment where the toughest decisions that face you are made by other people, it can be tough to be that. It can be tough to be in that place. But it doesn't have to be. Find the things that you can change and change those things for the better. That's all it takes. And for heaven's sakes, don't be a victim. There's no pride in using a cry closet. And I know that sounds harsh, and it's probably controversial, but the fact of the matter is, is that there's cry closets everywhere you go. And sometimes we just need time to ourselves to let those things go. And that's fine. And that's, that's healthy and that's wonderful. But if you have to tell the world that you've, you're in the cry closet, I don't think you're doing yourself any favor in the long run. It's healthy to take time out to deal with your emotions and to process those things that you're faced with every day. But it's not healthy to tell the world about it. What I want all of us to do is to look at each other in a way in which we can recognize that we all have value that we can bring to this world. And let's go forward and have that value manifest itself in everything we do for the good of this world. Well, I told you this one would go long. I am sure that you've got thoughts, you've got feelings on this one. This one was long. I hope you enjoyed it. Again, this is William Lutz for the Beyond the Column podcast. You can 
You can read more about this in Monday's edition of the Troy Daily News and Piqua Daily Call. Um, also, get interactive with us. Uh, send me a tweet at William Lutz or check out our Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash beyond the column. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you.